This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. As business leaders and executives who spend a lot of time in left-brain logical functioning, you must be intentional about accessing the creative and artistic right-brain side. In today's fast-paced business world, with its daunting challenges, we need new ways, approaches, and perspectives to best access innovative solutions for today and tomorrow. I hope you will derive inspiration from my return guest, Dennis Welch. If songwriter, recording artist, and author Dennis Welch could wave a wand over the world about how he's remembered, he would choose one word, storyteller. With over 500 songs, two books, and concerts far and wide, Dennis Welch is meant to tell stories. He creates a place to go to find yourself or answers or maybe just to have a good laugh. One thing for sure, you will always find love in the places Dennis creates. He has been privileged to write with some of the great songwriters, Alan Shamblin, Monty Warden, Fletch Wiley, Will Callery, and Lenny Cochran. He learns from each writing partner along the way and continues to grow. His previous collection of songs, What Love Makes Us Do, was his fifth studio album. It was produced by longtime Little River Band guitarist Rich Herring and released September 2021 on Herring's World Records. It made the first Grammy ballot in five categories. And I can say this, it deserved every accolade that it received and more. I love this album. So if you don't have it, be sure to get it. And at the time of this current release, What Love Makes Us Do, Dennis believed it to be his best work. And since he strives to do even better, World Records is about to release his newest recording project, If I Live to be a hundred. So it's coming up soon. Why? Because there's always another story to be told the next one. So let's listen now to the title cut of the new project, If I Live to Be a Hundred. If I live to be a hundred, I will never understand How with all those men around you You chose me to be the man Who lives and lays beside you Shares your hopes and dreams I'll try till my last breath To make them all come true If I live 
And I surely hope I do It will seem just like a moment If I spend them all with you I'll live and lay beside you Share your hopes and dreams And try to If I live to be a hundred If I had another life to live I would do this all again Fall in love with you Hope it never If I live to be If I live to be a hundred If I live to be a hundred Dennis, welcome back to the Voice of Leadership and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. And what a fabulous song as your title cut. If I live to be a hundred, tell us about this new project what the inspiration for it was, and how this all got started. Well, first of all, thank you for having me back on, Dr. Karen. Uh, you, I, I only We only did one session together, and you became one of my favorite people. As we said offline, I look forward to meeting you in person someday. You're, you're a blessing. First of all, every love song that I do comes from one relationship, and that's that's my wife, Susie, we met on a blind date in August of 1979. Uh, and I had just really started writing songs. And almost immediately, I started writing love songs. And they were, they've all been about her. And so this song was written probably 22 or three years ago. And uh, like a lot of the material that I had uh, up till the time that I'm, that Rich Herring decided to be my producer as on, on the last record, you know, it was all just kind of sitting in a in a drawer, figuratively speaking. And I thought, you know, that's a really good song, but I, I don't I don't know what to do with it, you know. And uh, but he knew what to do with it, and it was so, you know, I mean, look, I was stunned when when we recorded this song and I got the mix back and everything. I thought, you know, this this just has to be the title track. And the idea, of course, is is that if I live to be a hundred, I'll never understand how with all those men around you, you chose me, you know, and so I still feel that way. I've been, we've been married 43 years now this summer, and I still feel very uh, privileged to get to hang out 
with her. So that's where it comes from. Thank thank goodness for Susie because that that muse, if you want to call it that, uh, has created some some pretty pretty cool stuff. You know, we've talked about that before. How your wife is kind of like a major inspiration for a lot of your music. I didn't know that this was a song you've actually had kind of in the box for a while and you're just figuring out how to make it come alive so that's actually a great story and it also speaks to the fact that when we have true love in our lives it's generative and it continues to speak to us over and over again so that even though this isn't many years later after your last album you were able to come up with the new project that quickly Right. At the center of everything, I, you know, I tell people all the time, I say, look, there's no shortcut. When Jesus was talking in the New Testament to the disciples and the people there, you know, especially in the, I have a new appreciation for the Sermon on the Mount now, because it must have blown people's minds to hear him get up and say, listen, you know, if you're poor in spirit, you, you are blessed you know, it's the opposite. It's so much of the opposite, you know, and if you're, and later on, he says, you know, if your enemy slaps you, well, let him slap you on the other cheek. And if he steals your cloak to give him your, I mean, all of that stuff, you know, and so, of course, he ended it, all of that complicated stuff, he ended with a very simple story. And he said, there's a man who built his house on the sand. There's a man who built his house on the rocks. And by the way, it rained on both of them. Because that's how life is. It's going to, everybody gets rain. But the man who built his house on a rock, he's still there and he's, he's okay. My takeaway from that is that, the, that there's no shortcut. The kingdom of God doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts here. And, and you know what? And if you, and if you do this stuff to the best of your ability with God's help, you know, uh, at, the, at the center of it is love. You don't have to lose any sleep because he says in Matthew 6, I'm going to take care of you. I mean, all of these things are ingredients for great love songs, just so you know. You know, treating your spouse the way you would like to be treated. No, Nobody ever argues with that stuff. It's just not always easy to do. But if you do, wow, it's uh, it's pretty crazy how good life can be, you know. Let me follow up on something that you said um, there, Dennis, because you mentioned something about blessing. And I want to go back to that word. And I want to ask you how God has blessed you and what doors he's opened since your last project that we talked about when you were here before. And by the way, this is your third appearance, actually, on The Voice of Leadership, because we also talked about your PR company one of the times that you were here. That's right. We did. Well, look, I, I, you know, the blessings that I have is that is that in my life, the people that I needed have shown up exactly when I needed them. And you know what? I'm not strategic enough to make that happen. Dr. Karen, you know, I think I'm a relatively bright person, but I have no idea how to make those things happen. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody today and I said, you know, if somebody thinks that life is just a big accident, you know, they just haven't followed, they haven't followed me around at least, probably not you either. I'm 67. I look back on this and I say, look at the people who showed up just at the right time. And um, and from a creative aspect, of course, you know, 
we talked about it last time, you know, uh, uh, my friend Alan Shamlin, who's a Hall of Fame songwriter and has become over the last 17 years, a great, great friend. And you know what? He has been, you know, influential at a time when I needed that kind of influence. I needed somebody who was here to show me, you know what, this is what it could be. And I didn't know how to make that happen. I mean, that was a, I mean, this guy who's producing my stuff, Rich Herring, I didn't know how to find a producer. But, you know, we're sitting in a restaurant in Nashville, Tennessee, having dinner with his wife and their children one night. And he said, what are you working on? And I say, you know, I've got this new song. Why not me? Susie really likes. And he goes, what are you going to do with it? And I say, I don't know, which is my pat answer for this. And he says, why don't you sing it to me right here in the restaurant? And so I sang it a cappella to him. And when I finished, he was emotional. And he said, you know what? I'm supposed to help you with this. I remember you sharing that with us last time. So, Dennis, these are powerful relationships and connections that you've made. And so let me ask this. What's even happened towards getting to this project? I know you've had some new venues where you've had an opportunity to share your music. Tell us about it. One or two of those. Well, one of the things that's happened is I've been challenged to get out and play because I, I wasn't playing. I, I just wasn't. Uh, and in fact, it was Alan Shamlin again, you know, he was in Texas doing some, a benefit concert and he was on his way to the airport. He called me one day and he said, I have a question. You're always talking about your music, making a difference. And, and you're waiting on some big star to sing these songs. Why don't you get out and play? And you know what? I, I that made me go off and think about why. And when I figured out why I was not playing, it was, uh, time to fix it. And so now I'm out doing i mean i opened for alan and steve seskin two hall of fame songwriters here just a month ago and so there's been some i mean the places that i'm playing they're they're creating more opportunities and so i'm really i'm I'm grateful for that too you know so actually i'm so delighted you said that so being out there in the marketplace and playing the music is opening up more doors and creating additional opportunities so dennis let's just pivot a little bit and go to another song on this new project and this one is called real love just tell us very briefly a little setup about it before we play it it's a it's a co-write with my long long time great friend and musical uh partner sam eddy um and it happened like ha things happen I, I i went over to his house one day and he goes can i show you something i'm working on musically he's a much better musician than i am and he played this really interesting tune and everything and uh and he said you hear anything and i said yes i do you know let's let's start and that that turned into and it took us about an hour to write this song which is which is not very long in songwriting years you know no that's not long at all so let's hear it right now let's hear real love this where we are? Is this what it's come to? Nothing but emptiness and no one to run to. We could walk away. We could turn our backs and run. But real love stays forever. 
skies are blue That's what real love does Real love does Go back to the time Can you remember Our first hello That day in December When you took my hand You said these words to me We just heard real love. And one of the things I really like about this song, it has a lot of what I'll call commercial appeal. It's memorable. It's one of those songs that people might keep singing in the shower because they've heard it. So tell us more about it. What does this song mean to you? It's really a a mantra is what it is. We live in a culture that people give up on love because that people that they marry are not perfect, as it turns out. And this song is uh, about... And it, you know what? Instead of preaching at people, it just tells a story of two people that's you know, the work. We could walk away, we could turn our backs and run, but real love stays forever, works things out together, lives through stormy weather. It's a it's a very uh, not always popular idea, but it's still true, you know. And so, uh, and it's interesting. So I, I've actually recorded a version of this on uh, songs from my window seat, the last record 
well, the record I did in 2000, and Sam Eddy and I produced that. And so it's interesting because I have a friend in Ohio, and uh, he and his wife are going through some trouble. And he called me one day, and he said, I, I am just driving around playing this song to remind myself of what's true, that, you know what, my job is to, is to figure out how to make this work, not how to walk away, because walking away is easy. And I said, you know what, Joe, that's the... Uh, that's exactly why this song matters because I, and it doesn't matter what happens to it commercially. It'd be great if, if, you know, if it got out and, you know, did really well and all that. But the truth is, is that there's going to be, a, there's going to be people who hear this uh, streaming and all that who are going through things. And, you know, I always think you never know what's cool about music and books is that, especially these days is you really don't know where they're going. Okay. You don't know where it's going. You know, it's, it's, it, it goes everywhere basically and you don't know who is being touched or moved by this stuff and you know i was really kind of surprised you know by him he's a he was at the time he was like an associate pastor and he looked like he had it all together like they were the perfect couple kind of thing well you know what that's there's no such thing so no there's anyway. no such thing and, and I, what i love about what you're saying dennis is that we're really looking at music as ministry to people and the big message i see here is really about the perseverance in love and some of the lyrics really were meaningful to me like having the real thing stays forever works things out lives through stormy weather and skies of blue so it's really a little bit about both and so people who hear this and they're on a dark day and they're thinking about ending it all, they can be reminded that that real love persists through the storms as well as through the sunshine. It, it does. And I mean, this is the reason I write songs, Dr. Karen. I, this reason I still write music is because of the impact that it could have. And the impact is not up to me, by the way. The, the, my job is to write and now record these songs and, and you know release them out into the world and, and, and then God, it's up to God to give the increase about what happens. But, you know, but it's a very different approach to songwriting because, you know, Nashville, for example, and I'm not picking on Nashville, but when I lived in, Susie and I lived in Georgia for a while, I would go back and forth and I would do songwriter nights and writing sessions and all that. And it was, it was uh, sometimes it was very, it felt like you were building a table. You know, we meet on Tuesday and we write, and here's some ideas and, Here's what's hot right now. And, you know, people, a lot of bonfires and, and uh, pickup trucks. And, and that's what we're, we're going to try to find a play is that kind of thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to write like this. I love your music because it's more inspired than that. It's really well, thank you. from the heart of God himself. And I'm aware of that. And you know, at one point I thought I'm going to try to go to Nashville. I'm going to try to be that, you know, and I was fooling myself. I, I just couldn't. And probably haven't written as many songs. I've written over 500 songs, but probably not as many as people who write every single day. But I tell you, you know, um, the stuff that we do, uh, it inspires me. And, and I, and I think, you know what, if it doesn't move me, we're going to listen to, I think toward the end here, somewhere in these ashes, you know, that song, I can hardly listen to that song, uh, without being really moved by it. And I think, you know what, if that's, that's the way it should be, it should be like that. And so, is there commercial value in these songs? I hope so. I hope that there's people who, who will, a lot of people who will listen and buy them, but you know, but that's not the point. You know, the point is, is that I have to say this. And when we get to ashes, you'll, you'll hear an interesting, I think kind of crazy story about how, how creativity works. And I, I don't always understand it. 
let's go back to something that you've said before, and it's about the ministry, and it's also about creativity, and that's you as the storyteller. Say a little bit more about your calling to be a storyteller. Well, I look, I've always been a word person. You and I talked about that in our previous interview. You know, it's uh, it, I could read before I started school. I was blessed. I had a, a principal. They wanted to start me in a third grade. And my mother said no. And so I had a principal who was this very um, stern, you know, not approachable person. And on the first day of the first grade, she came down and got me and said, you know what, come with me. And I thought, I'm already in trouble. I just, this is just day one, right? And so, but she took me to the library and she walked me around the library and said, all of these books, when everybody else does a reading circle, you don't need a reading circle. Come down and read Charlotte's Web and the works of Mark Twain. And, and you know, and, and so that that's really where it started. It was just planted so deep that I don't know how, uh, I don't know how to not be that. Well, that's phenomenal because you are a wonderful storyteller and each Thank one you. of these songs tells a story that really, to me, it grips me when I'm listening to them because I want to hear how the story resolves and what else happens next. So we're going to go to another one of your songs called Slow Descent and give us a little brief setup about Slow Descent. My longtime music attorney friend lived here in Austin and he moved to Costa Rica uh, and has been traveling around uh, there after retirement. And one day I get an email from him and it has a poem attached to it. I didn't even know that he, he wrote poetry. And there's a story. And he said when he was working for ZZ Top's organization 45 years ago, he was touring as a road manager with one of their artists. And they were in El Paso for a, for a residency. And so they had a week or something. He was bored and he walked out on the bridge to Juarez and, uh, and had a vision. And he wrote this poem, a big old long poem, lots more verses than are in the song. He showed it to no one for 45 years. And then he sent it to me and said, I wonder if there might be a song in here. And the answer was positively yes. So wonderful. That's a great setup. So let's hear the song now. And this song is Slow Descent. Began to fall in a slow descent. 
said the flash was a blinding glare I saw a story as the day began to melt And the sun dripped off your sand-bleached hair I would display you as a rare betrayed contessa For all my silver circuit friends to see Sonora Gypsy from the caravan So calm in your casual misery A fantasy Sentenced me To a slow descent Fashion magazine pacify you Suddenly you seem so cynical and cheek Your words cut through the air like diamonds As my half-smiles crumbled at your feet And now I stand outside your marble walls and wonder Just a jaded memory And an empty picture frame You came and went Left me in Slow descent Slow descent Slow descent Dennis, one of the things I love about this song, Slow Descent, is what I'm going to call the haunting melody. I love the instruments in this song as well, and just that that kind of exotic little bit of a flair that's in this song. So tell us more about what this song means. It's really about Ed Fair's vision, my co-writer's vision. And the vision was about him walking on the bridge to Juarez and seeing a supermodel doing a doing a fashion shoot and thinking... And somehow in his uh, soul, connecting with her and thinking there's a chance here. And then uh, as the story goes on, he gets to know her better. And you notice that at the end of the chapter of the chapters of the verses, there's a descending order of things that happen to him. You know, it was a, a fantasy at the end of the second verse, a fantasy that sentenced me. So you've been sentenced now to a slow descent. And, you know, what I was thinking of, and I don't think Ed was thinking of this when he was writing this 45 years ago, these words, but I was, you know, thinking about in Proverbs, you know, where Solomon says, you know, be careful about 
you know, speaking specifically to men, be careful about that woman because her steps lead to death. There's a slow descent. It may not be slow, actually, but there's there's a descent that happens when when you make that bad decision to go there. And you know, in the in the last, uh, and, and by the way, there were probably seven or eight of these verses, and I had to choose the ones. Kind of like what happens with an author. Somebody makes a movie out of a book. They don't. They can't make a movie of the whole book. And so they choose the chapters and the stories that move along this two-hour or 90-minute film. And that's what this had to do with this. And so that last verse, I stand outside your marbled walls and wonder if you remember or even know my name. That is so haunting to me. Like, you you know, you fell into this, and now she doesn't even remember your name. And yeah. and there's so many lessons in there. And look, there's there's lessons in business, too, in this. You know, I have a, uh, a former client who was a CEO, and now what he does, he counsels, he actually consults with former CEOs. He's like a coach. And he told me one time, Dr. Karen, he said, I never, I never, never sit down with any of these people and look across the table at them, usually men, okay, because that's how it worked back in the day. And these men, without fail, have such huge regrets about being seduced by power, money, prestige, and all the things that go with that role. And you know what? And and now he said they would say say things like, "My children don't speak to me." You know, I don't. I'm not married. My wife left me in the middle of this, and we had everything. You know, and and so you know what? And so it happens in a lot of places. It doesn't just happen with love. It happens in life. We get seduced by things that that we think, man, that's shiny and interesting. And without any forethought, we follow it into the worst of things that can happen to us. And, uh, you know, when, when, when Paul talked about walking circumspectly, uh, you know, looking around at what's around you, being aware, uh, it's hard to do. It's hard to do these days because we're distracted. I've, I've got a phone here somewhere, you know, and this, they, 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 they're bothering you all the time and you're not thinking, you don't have, you know, you can't be mindful but you have to be mindful. You have to be. You have to be looking around. And if you don't, then this is a cautionary tale. This song is a cautionary tale for what can happen to you. It's definitely a cautionary tale. And there's some words in it that really struck me where it talks about this person being a gypsy from the caravan. And it says, you came and went, left me in a slow descent, an empty picture frame. So there's this picture throughout. That's just one of them of the emptiness that comes when you fall into these traps, if you will, that are out there. And I think that executive men and women are in danger of falling into these kind of traps every day. I mean, Satan would love to set these for us. So I'm glad you made the application there. Very similar to on your last album, one of my favorite songs is I Go Home, because it has a similar theme as well and kind of a warning uh, to that executive leader. So let me shift gears a little bit, Dennis, and ask you about your thoughts about us being gifted in whatever it is that God is calling us to do. I know you've been doing some reading, I think it's in maybe Exodus, the 31st chapter or something about that. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about um, how you see this giftedness part. Well, creativity is and gifts are mysterious. You know, it, we take credit for it as if we made ourselves this way. And you know what? It's um, 
uh, it comes from God. That's 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 the bottom line. It comes from God, and it's it's hard to be haughty uh, about uh, that. It's like we're lucky, we're blessed. We're all people that are using their gifts, their unique God-given gifts every day uh, to do whatever it is they do to make a difference in the world. You know, we're blessed, blessed people, and and it's hard to be haughty about it because it's like I I I don't understand it. So we have to recognize that what we've received is something that we've received and that it's from God. And we have a stewardship over it to yes. grow and develop and mm-hmm. continue to hone the gift that God has given us is what I hear you saying in that. Absolutely. Yep. Say that we're going to go to the next song, which is somewhere in these ashes. So just a brief uh, setup. What would you say about it? Well, the title came to me. I don't know if this happens for everybody, but it does for me. I was on the treadmill at the gym. I was running, and it was like a little scroll that went across. It said, somewhere in these ashes, and I stopped. I, I jumped, my got up on the side here where I could not sl- be thrown off the treadmill, and I typed that into my phone. And then when I came home, I wrote it on the piano, and uh, and it became, I did not know what that meant. I just knew there was something in there. And then uh, this song, which is about homeless primarily about homeless people and they're not crazy and they're not blind they're they're looking for they're trying to get their life back i love that theme trying to get their lives back so let's listen to somewhere in these ashes his hair was gray his clothes were worn Met him on a winter's morn in a train yard just outside Montreal. He was sleeping on the sidewalk and he woke when I reached out my hand to see if he was still breathing. He suddenly started speaking. He said, I'm not crazy and I'm not blind I'm just out here trying to find An ember of the man I used to be When I should have been at home Was out there striking matches I burned it down And I hope it's found She was a mama and a wife With a nearly perfect life She had it all But she thought she needed more So she lives among her flames In an alley down When I saw her, she was praying I overheard her saying Lord, I'm not crazy and I'm not blind I'm just out here trying to find An ember of the girl I used to be When I should have been at home I was out there striking matches Burned it down, and I hope it's found. So- 
Dennis, I actually love this song, Somewhere in These Ashes. And you mentioned that it's about homelessness. I want to hear a little bit more about that because I was thinking it might have been about something slightly different, which I will share in a second. So tell us what you were thinking. First of all, the the singer, the protagonist, starts out saying, you know, his hair was gray, his clothes were worn. I met him on a winter's morn in a train yard just outside of Montreal. And I think that raises a question. So how did this guy see somebody in a train yard in Montreal? But as you go through the story, you realize that when he gets to the bridge, the singer says, when I think about my own fires, you know, and all the bridges that I've burned and the love that I've lost. So you see, you find out the person singing is also homeless as well. So he's not on his high horse at all. And so it's, uh, it's another cautionary tale. Apparently that's the, the theme. And here's the the little spin I added to it, Dennis. Okay. When I heard it, I know that the verses talk about, I hope I find an ember of the man or the girl I used to be. And it talks about how I was out striking matches when I should have been at home. I burned it down and I hope it's found in these ashes somewhere. So I get this picture of a person who should have been at home taking care of the home fires, but they're striking matches outside the home kind of like the last song in a sense. And so therefore, going back to Proverbs, the whole notion, Proverbs 5 and 15, the warning of drinking from your own cistern and not letting your waters run out all over the place is one thing. And then for the woman, Proverbs 14, 1, how the foolish woman tears down her own house with her own hands. So you end up homeless when you make these kind of choices is what I was hearing in this theme. And it was like, And maybe whoever it is that I was, used to be, called to be, I can find it again. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I know, Dr. Karen, is that nobody is beyond repair. You know, my parents were both people that were given up on by their families and stuff. And and then, you know, God did something amazing. And I couldn't be more thankful because I don't know where I would be if that hadn't happened. But because it happened the way it did, our house became this way station for other people to send these people and say, look, you see what happened to Ronald Welch? You see that? You know, he's teaching Sunday school. You know, he's a deacon in his church. He's a great father and a good neighbor. And 
look, that's who thought who would have thought that? So go see him. And so I was around people daily. I mean, my driveway growing up girl was just filled with cars of people I didn't even know. And they were sent there by other people. And so I saw people who the world had given up on every day or every week, at least, that, that God did something amazing for. And so, you know what, there's hope. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm hoping also comes through in this is that it's not just over. That ember is still burning down there. And God knows that. This is powerful what you're saying, because this comes from your own lived experience to mm -hmm. see the hope in what looks like a dying ember, but really that ember can be reignited and a life can be salvaged, if you will. So I'm going to ask you, because you mentioned this earlier in our conversation, you were talking about the various ways that people can even lose themselves in what I'll call the big corporate machine. So if you think about the business world and think about how this song even applies to that, what additional counsel would you have for those who might be losing themselves or in danger of losing themselves in the big corporate machine? You know, I, I just helped a, a friend of mine in Australia write a book called When Leaders Are Lost. It's a fantastic book. And not because I was involved with it, but because it's, it's his story. And uh, Marshall Goldsmith has endorsed it. And it's just an amazing book. But the advice that he gives throughout there is, or that we give throughout there is, you know, is the same for us wherever we are in our life. You know, don't be seduced. You know, there's something about contentment that also creates safety. If you don't envy somebody's new big house and you're completely comfortable in the house you're in, you're not going to make a dumb mistake and go, go, you know, buy a house you can't afford or, you know, or take a job just because there's money in that job, and yet you're content, you're crazy content in the job you're in. And so contentment, you know, is safety, and you have to find, you have to be content. Paul said, whatever, where, wherever I am, whatever state I'm in, I'm content. And by the way, he wrote that, as I understand it, being chained between two Roman centurions. That's amazing, right? And so uh, that's that's really the, the answer is find contentment where you are and, and be that. That's a great segue because I want to ask you about another issue. You talked about being how we're all gifted. God's given us the gifts that we use and express in different ways. And God has, in your case, opened many, many doors in your life. And yet I know there's a greater and bigger vision also in your heart for what that success might look like. So what is it like to wait for God and to wait for him to open additional doors when it doesn't seem like maybe the big thing has happened yet. Look, I'm in good company, Dr. Karen, because the scriptures are filled with people who waited. Moses tended Midian sheep on the backside of the desert for 40 years, which apparently prepared him to be a great leader of men and women. I wear it as a badge of honor that it's it's it hadn't happened on my time schedule. But I'll tell you this, when it happens... If you if you stay the course and you and you don't stop, when it happens, it is so joyful. I mean, you couldn't even get me to shut up the last time we talked because I couldn't stop talking about it and smiling about how what an amazing time this is, you know. Because it did seem like, and don't kid yourself, there were moments when I thought this is never. I'm never going to be able to do the kind of work that I want to do because I can't find a partner for that. And lo and behold, 
uh, here it is. And so, you know, the answer is if you know you're called to something, just don't stop, keep going. And, and yes, there's going to be moments where, and by the way, the other thing, surround yourself with people who love you and are honest with you and will encourage you and say, that's really good. You shouldn't stop. You're not crazy after all. Keep going. And all of that is just such a blessing. It's rich is what it is. So Yes, it is. And I'm so glad that in this particular project, we're talking about if I live to be 100, because you and I both might need to get to 100 before everything is realized, whatever the vision is. And so thank you. I mean, thank you for saying that, you know, keep at it anyway. Use the gifts that God has given you. Be content where you are. And I'm going to add an element, you know, be thankful and show some Mm -hmm. gratitude for what he's already doing and the doors that he's already opening. So how can people get a hold of you, Dennis? Where can they eventually find this music when it's released? These days, finding music is pretty easy. It's on all of the streaming services. This record, uh, If I Live to Be 100, will be out on July 25th. It'll be on all the streaming services. All, all, it's very cool to go to Apple Music and see all now. When that happens, there'll be all six of those. Right now, all five are there, and they're all available. You can purchase them and download them and do all, whatever people do with with music these days. And uh, and look, if anybody wants to reach out to me, my Gmail, I'm going to give you my Gmail address. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, it's Dennis Welch 1956 at gmail.com. And they are welcome to email me with any question. And we're working on a new website and that'll be done in the next probably two weeks for the whole operation. So, but that's not ready yet. Okay, wonderful. So they can reach you by email and get the music on any of the streaming services that are available. So you've talked about a number of words of wisdom so far, such as what we just mentioned about the contentment and using gifts and so on and so forth. What additional words of wisdom do you have from my community of corporate executives? What else would you like to leave them with? Know yourself and know who you really are. And don't let anybody else tell you who you are. You know, you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. And before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. And so you are you are here for a very specific purpose and role. And, and you know what? Don't let anything distract you from that amazing thing that happens when, when you connect your gifts and talents to that role that you were here here for there's there's nothing like it you know this because you're doing it as well all right wonderful wonderful counsel operate in who you are and don't be distracted from that so dennis we're about to roll into the last song which is going to be the final word in the show which is called love is on my side and before we go into that song i'll read the final scriptures but give us a very brief kind of preview of what is this one about it's about my grandson my son and his wife uh, had split up and he was raising him by himself and Susie and I were also raising him he was with us a lot and we loved it and so I was thinking about my son one day my grandson and I wrote love is on my side because it is on my side and really that's a great place for us to kind of end our thoughts because with love on your side you really can't fail and so the verses I want to read today in closing and first of all let me thank you Dennis for being with me again and sharing your gifts with my community. I always love to have you come back at any time. 
I will. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So Matthew 18, and we're going to start with verses 2, and it says, Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So as you listen to this final song, think about the inspiration of the children around you, the children in your life who can breathe the hope of God no matter what your circumstances. Dropped him off in Sunday school Went to church like I always do And I went back and picked him up at 12.05 He handed me a picture he Had drawn of his sweet mom and me Though she's been gone for years he helped me see her through his eyes And he reminds me that God isn't finished with me yet And every day in ways I can't describe He lets me know love is on my side He's only eight years old I Swear he's made of solid gold He's the only thing that matters in this old world He's the sun and moon to me my reason and my sanity And on those days I think I can't go on He reminds me that God isn't finished with me yet And every day in ways I can't describe He lets Sometimes I kneel down in my lonely room And I ask the Lord for answers And pretty soon He reminds me that He isn't finished with me yet And every day in ways I can't He lets me know love is on my side.
Dr. Clarence Schuler is the president and CEO of Building Lasting Relationships, and his wife, Brenda Schuler, the two of them together, won Speakers of the Year for the Family Life Marriage Conferences. They know a lot about marriage, as at the time of this recording, they've been married for almost 40 years. So I have Dr. Clarence Schuler with me today. Dr. Schuler, what's the word on marriage? What would you like to tell people? Well, Karen, thanks so much for this introduction. I would like to tell them that our nonprofit, Building Lasting Relationships, we actually get wounded people in God's word into wounded people, primarily by memorizing scripture. Then we heal them, equip them, and empower them to become reproductive disciples who do the same for others. And one of those venues that we do is use marriage. And we've done marriage ministry all around the globe. And we refer people to our, our resource, which is keeping your wife your best friend, which is written for husbands, but also their wives. So they can go through the book together. There are questions in the back. So whether they have a tune up, their marriage is in crisis. We really feel this resource can change their life forever. And they can actually use it to help change other people's lives. So we love marriage. We think marriage is designed to be for a lifetime. And no matter where your marriage is, there's hope for your marriage. It can be better than it's ever been if you just put some work into it. So we love marriages, and I know marriages put a smile on God's face. Well, amen to that. And if you keep your wife your best friend, I think you have an even greater chance of being married for the long haul. So if you would like to know more about the ministry, please go to ClarenceSchuler.com. And you can give a donation there, or you can sign up for a marriage experience yourself. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan, for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.